Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Today we're going to be in part two of our series that we're calling Broken. Broken. And here's the reality that we started with last week is that we're all broken. We're all broken on some level. We all have um, scars in our life story. We have shame from our past. Um, We have seasons of regret in our life that we'd love to forget. We'd love to let go. Um, We all are broken on some level. But here's the hope and the beauty of our God that we began with last week. Our brokenness, our brokenness, it doesn't surprise God. It doesn't intimidate God. It doesn't overwhelm God. It doesn't push God back from us. But where we started last week was that it's often in our brokenness, it's in the shattered and broken parts of us that God loves to come in and many times do his greatest work in us and through us. And so last week we began this conversation called Broken, and we did it with a message called Broken But Belonging. And so last week where we started was that it doesn't matter how broken your story may be, whatever your stuff is, no matter how jacked up your past may look, okay, you belong. You belong first, you belong in Christ. Um, You belong in Christ's family, the church. Welcome home to a house of broken people. And then ultimately, you belong in community, in spiritual community with other people. As a broken person, you can't do life by yourself. That just makes logical sense. And so, and that's where we encourage you last week to connect with community through our groups. And so today, we're going to continue the conversation in Matthew chapter 26. So if you've got a copy of Scripture, go to the New Testament. Matthew 26 is where we're going to start today. And I'll just kind of go ahead and tell you, we're going to be in multiple passages of Scripture. All of it's going to be in the New Testament, so it's kind of all in the same neighborhood, but kind of Keep your, your flipping or scrolling fingers, whatever you got, ready. Um, and I'll kind of keep you up to date on where we'll be throughout the New Testament. But Matthew 26 is where we'll start. And as always, we'll put the verses behind me on the screen so that you can follow along with where we're going to be. Today, we're going to see the progression of the life of a fairly familiar guy in Scripture named Peter. Maybe you're familiar with Peter's story. And so today, we're going to go on a journey through Peter's road to brokenness and then ultimately Peter's incredible road to redemption and restoration. And so in Matthew 26, Jesus has just shared his last meal with his disciples before he's arrested and before he's crucified. And so immediately after this meal, Jesus shares some really difficult words with his disciples, some pretty powerful words. So I want us to look in and see what does Jesus say? Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to start in verse 31. Here's what it says. Then Jesus told them, his disciples, hey, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter replies, verse 33, here's our guy. Hey, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, he answered, this very night, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So in verse 31, Jesus begins to speak of this Old Testament prophecy hundreds of years before this moment. Uh, Zechariah says in his book, if you read it, where he predicts this time that there's a time coming where even those who are closest to the Messiah, closest to Jesus, that they would fall away. And so that's what Jesus says there. He says, hey, it's written, it's said, this is going to happen, and you guys are about to fall away from me. But our guy in the story, Peter, he's got a big, bad, bold personality. He speaks up, and he goes, not me, Jesus. No, man, if everybody else wimps out, everybody else gets scared, not me. No, man. And then he goes so far as to say, hey, Jesus, even if you die, even if you die, I'm with you. But 
we're bros, man, me and you. I'll go down with you if that's what it takes. And Peter makes this big, bold, courageous promise here in Matthew 26. But here's the deal. Jesus knew at this moment that he wouldn't be able to uphold his word. Jesus knew that Peter's promise was empty and it was broken. I wonder, uh, have you ever made a bold promise to God in a tough spot before? Like, God, if you'll just get me out of this, like, I promise I will, whatever. Or, God, I, I promise we'll, like, we'll, we'll go back to church, we'll go back to church, whatever you say, okay, if you can just help us with this, right? Or, God, I'll, I'll stop all those things I know I shouldn't be doing, and I'll start doing what you tell me to, if you'll this, right? You ever made a bold promise to God before? How's that work out? <laughs> Typically not so great, Right? Because here's what scripture would say about all of us is that we're sinful at our core, which means that often our promises are broken. See, our our empty, broken promises just reveal the fact that there's a brokenness inside all of us. And here's what we said last week is that God knows all of the brokenness of our lives. Past, present, future, it doesn't surprise him. It doesn't catch him off guard. And as hard as we may all work, and man, we work hard sometimes to hide and mask that brokenness from everybody around us, God still knows. God knows all of the brokenness of our life. And last week, as we saw in the story, we realized that God still doesn't run. And despite Peter's bold claim here, Jesus knew that Peter was broken. And Jesus knew in this moment that Peter would ultimately betray him. See, Jesus knows our brokenness too, and Scripture would tell us ahead of time before any of us were born that we would all have this condition. Here's what Paul would say in the New Testament. He says, For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. In other words, all of us are broken. Nobody's outside of that today. So it's just good. Like, take a deep breath, all the broken people, okay? Jesus knows at the core of who we are that we're sinful and that we're broken. However, here's the good news for Peter and the good news for us is that our brokenness doesn't surprise, it doesn't intimidate, and it doesn't overwhelm the power of God. And Peter makes this bold claim. Jesus predicts that Peter's going to deny him. And then the moment comes where Jesus is arrested, just like Scripture says. Jesus stands trial, and I want you to see what happens with our guy Peter. Look back, Matthew 26, skip all the way down, and we're going to pick up in verse 69. This is what it says. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard... And a servant girl came to him. Hey, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, weren't you? But he denied it before them all. I I don't know what you're talking about, Peter said. Verse 71, then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, hey, this guy, this fellow, he was with Jesus of Nazareth. Pretty sure about that. And he denied it again with an oath. Like, nope, don't know that guy. Verse 73, after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, hey, surely you're one of them. Like your, your accent gives you away. When you said y'all, we all knew it, okay? I don't know the man immediately. I don't know the man, Peter said, and immediately a, ro- a rooster crowed. And then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken, that before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. So Peter stands at this distance, keyword of distance, watching the trial of Jesus three different times, three different people come up to him and they're like, weren't you, you with him? Like, aren't, aren't y'all tight? You know that guy? You're associated with him? And three times scripture says, Peter denies. And, and scripture says that he gets more adamant every single time. Like he, he's fired. No, I, I don't know the guy at all. And scripture says that as soon as that third denial happens, the rooster crows just like Jesus said. And all of a sudden, old big, bad, bold Peter is now a very broken Peter. 
Because not once, not twice, but three times, he had denied his very relationship with the Son of God. And despite all that Jesus had done for him, and all the promises Jesus had made to him, and despite Jesus' the fact that he called it, Peter still denied Jesus. And see, like Peter, our brokenness in many ways is our denial of God's plans and purposes and promises for our life, isn't it? Maybe you found yourself at some point pursuing an unhealthy relationship that left you broken because you denied that your identity in Christ would be enough. Or maybe for you, you became guilty of chasing satisfaction from a high or from a drink because you denied that your joy in Christ could be enough. Or maybe you chased more money or more stuff or more status or an image or acceptance, believing that can make you happy somehow. But deep down inside, it only left you more broken because you denied that God was sufficient for you. Or maybe you made that choice or that decision or that move with your life because you were looking for what would make you happy or what would take care of you. But you had denied that God's plans would be perfect for your life. Or maybe you made bold plans for your family or for your future only to see them fall apart because you denied that God's plans could be trustworthy. You see, ultimately, the brokenness of our lives in so many ways is the result of our our own denial of God's plans and his purposes and his promises for our lives. That's what happened with Peter here. And it says in verse 75, Scripture says, as soon as Peter denied Jesus, the rooster crows just as Jesus said it would. And I believe in this moment, Peter kind of had an oh shoot moment. You ever had an oh shoot moment before? Maybe you said something else, but today we're saying oh shoot, okay? All right, run with me. Oh, oh shoot, like I, I don't remember if we left the garage up. Oh man, uh, oh shoot, I don't, I don't remember if we paid the power bill or students like, oh, oh shoot, I don't, I don't know where I put my homework and like we're headed to class right now. She's gonna ask for it, I know. Or the biggest oh shoot moment of all time, like I don't know where my cell phone is, right? I have no idea. And so therefore, I don't, I, my life is thrown off because I don't know where my cell phone is, right? You see, what I've found is often it's in those oh shoot moments of life where we realize the brokenness of our lives. It's when the relationship falls apart. It's when the money runs out. It's when the success ends. It's when the job falls through. It's when things don't go as planned and we're left with the brokenness of life. And oftentimes it's in those moments where we realize our real need. And maybe if some of you got honest today, maybe that's why you even rolled in at 1130. Because life just broke for you, or it sure feels like it's about to. And you rolled in because you're in that broken place looking for an answer to that need. Scripture says that's what happened with Peter. And he was so broken that he went outside and he wept bitterly. He felt the weight of the brokenness inside of him. See, Peter was broken just like us. But remember, we said today there's hope. And the beauty of the grace of our God is that brokenness doesn't surprise him. It doesn't overwhelm them. It's not too big for God. And Peter found that to be true. And so what I want us to do is I want us to see three more very key moments in Peter's life where Peter found the restoring, redeeming grace of Jesus to be enough even in his brokenness. If you got a copy of Scripture, flip a little further, New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15. So over three, four books or so, 1 Corinthians 15. We're just going to look at three verses there. 
In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's writing um, a letter to a church at a place called Corinth. And in this moment, he's writing some really powerful words about the fact that Jesus has come back to life, that Jesus has risen. He's going like, this is a real thing. It real happened. It's real life. And here's what Paul writes. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you of first importance. In other words, this is a really big deal. That Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and verse 5, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Paul says Jesus died, he was buried, and then he was raised to life, and when he was raised to life, he appeared to Cephas. Now, if you know a little bit about the New Testament, you might know that Cephas was another name for Peter. Cephas is Peter. Peter is Cephas. And so what Paul is saying here is that after Jesus' resurrection, of all of the 12 disciples, Jesus chose to first appear to Peter. To Peter. Now, there's another account, if you want to read it, in Luke 24, and I did a little digging on it this week, where it indicates that on Easter, Resurrection Sunday, that Jesus appears to Peter a little bit earlier in the day, and then later in the day, he shows himself to the rest of his disciples. But here in this moment, I think we see the the first big truth that I want us to grab onto today, and that is this, that Jesus finds us in our brokenness, that Jesus finds us in our brokenness. Let's think about this moment logically for a minute. Take ourselves back. Jesus is killed. He spends three days dead in the grave. He's raised back to life. And then one of the very first people that that Jesus seeks out is Peter. Like, do you remember this guy? Like, we, we just read about him. The last time that Jesus saw Peter, Peter was denying that he even knew him. In Jesus' most trying moment, with you to death, bro. And Peter's like, "Uh uh-uh, he gone. And in this moment, Jesus chooses Peter. Why in the world? Seriously, of all the disciples, like of all the guys, why Peter? Why choose Peter first? I think in this moment, Jesus is beginning to Help us see and understand the character that he carries, which is that he is, he is so willing to step into the brokenness and into the chaos of our lives that he finds us and he chooses us even in our brokenness. When my son Braylon, who is now five, was a baby, man, he could make some terrible diapers. Okay, not terrible, but terrible diapers. Anybody ever changed a terrible diaper before? Okay, if you haven't changed a terrible diaper in your lifetime, you you haven't really lived. Your day's coming. Just get ready. Okay. And like, I mean, it was bad. I mean, he could do some nasty business in his pants. And then he would just sit there. He would just sit there in it. Like he's still playing. He's still rolling around. You know what that creates? I mean, it's like, and the rest of us are trying to breathe. And like, he's just like, hey. And you know what? In that moment, you know what I never did? I never looked at my son and was like, son, like, what have you done? done. This is ridiculous. Like go to your room and go clean yourself. I'm not rolling you another ball. No more peekaboo. Like not until you go do something about this. Like this is a mess. I I, I never did that. Never once. No, you know what? Like despite my unwillingness, like I I hate getting messy. I'm sorry. That's just me. Take my man card if you want. But like, I just just don't like getting messy. But despite my unwillingness to, to love messes, you know what I did every single time in that moment? You know what I did? I gave them to my wife. I gave them to my wife. Take, take notes on it. I gave them to her. No. You know what I did every single time? I picked him up. I carried him to his room. And I laid him on the changing table. And I undid the diaper. And I did whatever it took. However many wet wipes we got to pull out. Whatever it took to get him cleaned up. 
You know why? Because I'm his dad. And I love that dude. And there was no mess that he could create that was so big that I wasn't going to choose to love him and clean him up. How many of you know that we can make a big stinky mess out of our lives? And we can create some horrible, chaotic, terrible things with our lives. And you know what God is a good father? You know what he never does? You know what he never does? He never looks at you and he's like, you know what? Like, what have you done? Like, this is horrible. Like, you, you go right now and you clean yourself up. Like, don't talk to me. I'm not talking to you. I'm not providing for you. No, not until you do something with what you made. You're a mess. God never does that. You know why? Because he knows that we're incapable of cleaning ourselves up. No matter how hard we try, we can't fix or clean up the brokenness and the chaos in our lives. The only way that it happens is through the supernatural work of God's grace in us. And here's what Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Look at these verses. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. Look at that. Not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. In other words, nobody gets to go, look at what I did. Look at what I cleaned up. No, Paul says the only way out of brokenness is the work of Jesus in your life. It's not get cleaned up and then come to Jesus. No, it's come to Jesus with the brokenness and the mess and the chaos and the stink. And then he begins to redeem and cleanse and work and restore inside of our lives. And let's be real. In this moment, okay, where it, like Jesus could have, he maybe even should have held a grudge against Peter for as long as Peter existed for turning his back on him. He could have. He probably should have. Jesus instead seeks Peter out first, and he chooses him, and he finds him, even in his brokenness. That's the truth for not just Peter, but me and you today too, is that Jesus finds us in our brokenness. Flip back with me now. Let's go John 21. In John 21, Jesus has now revealed himself three different times after he's been raised to life to his disciples. They've heard about it now. They, they know it's real. And in chapter 21, Jesus finds this kind of just alone moment with Peter, teacher, student, leader, disciple. And, and, and Jesus gets so real with Peter. Look, John 21, verse 15. Here's what happens. Um, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he says, Simon, son of John, um, do you love me more than these? Yes. Yes, Lord, Peter replied. Like, you, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, well, feed my lambs. In verse 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter answered, like, well, yeah, yeah, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Like I just said that. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then finally, verse 17, the third time he says to him, hey, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said one more time, well, then feed my sheep. So Jesus, in one of his most, I think, amazing teaching moments in Scripture, three times he asked Peter if he loves him. And each time Peter responds more and more emphatically and passionately until it says there that the third time, like, Peter's hurt. He's hurt. Like, Jesus, why, why, why do you keep asking me the same thing, Jesus? And see, now we get this really interesting perspective where we can look at this story and we, we understand the teacher's motives. That Jesus in this moment was taking Peter's threefold denial of him in the trial and he was replacing it with a threefold affirmation of his love for him. 
And Jesus allowed Peter for every time he said, I don't know him, I deny him. He's allowing him to replace it with, I love him. And in this moment, I I think we see a second truth today that I want us to latch on to, and that is that Jesus restores us from our brokenness. That Jesus not only finds us in the brokenness, but then Jesus restores it from us, restores us from it. That Jesus' love and grace has the ability to restore in our lives. And in, see, in Jesus questioning to Peter, he's never trying to annoy him like a big brother to a little brother. No, Jesus' motive was always to restore in him that faith and that passion and that love that God had created in him. And here's the hope for you and me today that Jesus doesn't just stumble on the rubble of our lives that we've made. He doesn't just, oh my goodness, look at this. Nobody finds it. And then he longs to rebuild it the original purposes that God created you and me for. And while the world loves to label us based on the cause of our brokenness or the effects that it creates, God always sees past the brokenness and he sees the masterpiece that he could create in us if we'll trust him. I love the quote, the old quote that says, unlike Satan who knows our name but calls us by our sin, God knows our sin and calls us by our name. Jesus called Peter by his name and not by his sin. And Jesus longs to rebuild the brokenness of our life if we'll trust him and if we'll surrender to him. And I've watched it happen over and over and over and over again in the last five plus years of our family as people have walked in those doors just like you did today. In a marriage that's falling apart, captive to addiction, under the weight of depression, overwhelmed by the pressures of life. And they've not just heard the truth of Jesus. That's a really good thing. You're hearing it right now. But they've not just heard, but they've come to a place of surrender to trust Jesus with their brokenness. And I've watched God not just find them, but I've watched God begin to restore them and rebuild them to the purpose that he created them for. So that's what Jesus does. He's a restorer. That he finds us in the brokenness and then he restores us from it. For our last passage today, I want you to go with me over to Acts 2. In Acts 2, we're going to see a day called Pentecost in the early church. If you understand a little bit about New Testament history, you know Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover, which is a really big deal. And the original celebration of Pentecost was that this was the day that God gave Moses the law back in the Old Testament. Big day. Now, it becomes even bigger in Acts 2. So in this moment, Peter, he's gathered with all the disciples right outside the temple. There's a huge crowd of people. And I want you to see what happens, what what starts going down with Peter. Acts chapter 2, let's just read verse 14 first. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. In Acts 2, if you want to read it, goes on to record the message that Peter preaches in this moment. It's a message where he looks back and he talks about the evidence of Jesus' life, his life, his death, his resurrection. He's like, this happened, this was real. And then he goes straight for the gospel. He's like, hey, if you repent, if you'll let go, if you'll surrender, if you'll trust this Christ, the Messiah, then you will find salvation. Peter preaches this message, but I want you to see how people respond, right? It's always about the response. So skip down to verse 37. Here's what goes down at the end of Peter's message. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, hey, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, here's what you do. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And then verse 40, and with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, hey, save yourselves from the corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. You catch catch that? Peter preaches and 3,000 people surrender their lives to Jesus and are baptized. 3,000 people got saved, okay? In church world, that's a really good day at church, okay? We've had some really good days here. We hadn't hit the 3,000 day, but like that's an amazing day. 3,000 people were saved. But you remember? You, You remember who this guy is? Like, this is the dude that denied even knowing Jesus. I don't, I don't even know him. He disowned Jesus, just like Jesus had said. But then he is found in his brokenness. Jesus restores him out of his brokenness. And catch what happens here. God uses him despite his brokenness. And that's the third truth today. That God uses us despite our brokenness. God can use us despite our brokenness. I mean, if you think about this, really, like it's the most unlikely turn of events, is it not? God takes Peter, who had looked at Jesus, made a bogus, totally empty promise, and then that he would even die with him. Then he goes out, not once, not twice, three times. He says, I don't even know Jesus. He disowns Jesus in Jesus' most trying moment when he needed a guy. Peter's like, "Uh uh-uh, not me. And here in this moment, God chooses that guy. That guy. I mean, let's let's be honest. Like, we look at a lot of resumes. Not that guy. And God chooses that guy, Peter, to be the mouthpiece of a message of truth that would alter 3,000 people's eternities in one day. And if you keep reading in Acts, you know about Peter's life, man. It, like God using Peter doesn't stop there. Peter goes on, heals a lame beggar. He goes and preaches to the religious leaders. Despite being persecuted and arrested and beaten and threatened, Peter keeps going and he keeps going. And he proclaims the gospel boldly, passionately until the day that he dies. See, despite Peter's real brokenness, God used him in some crazy big ways. Some crazy big ways. Here's what Christian author Bob Goff wrote. said, God doesn't break things so he can fix them, but he fixes broken things so he can use them. He fixes broken things like you and me so he can use them. Reality is today we're all broken on some level, aren't we? I mean, we got failures and scars and wounds and mistakes. We'd love to forget. But here's the good news of this gospel today is that our brokenness doesn't disqualify us from being used by God, but in so many ways, it prepares us for being used by God. See, it's in brokenness that we get humbled. It's in brokenness that we realize, I don't have the ability to do this by myself. It's in brokenness that we realize our need for God's power and his grace in our life. And it's in brokenness that we're prepared by God to be used. And for some of you today, Maybe you need to begin to change the mindset that you're living with from, man, I'm so broken and I'm so messed up. There's no way God could ever use me. And you need to begin to change that from I'm not ready to maybe God's got me prepared now. If I'll trust him, if I'll surrender to him, 
See, God never chooses perfect people to use because there are none. We read verses 8 and 9 from Acts 2 earlier that God has an incredible grace that's not based on us. But I want you to see one more verse that Paul puts in there, Ephesians 2 verse 10. So amazing. It says, for we, meaning you and I, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul, a guy who knew what it was like to be jacked up, he knew what it was like to be broken. He says, we're all a work of God. Are we stained by sin? Yep. Are we broken? Yep, Paul was. But he says, when we begin to let our brokenness go to God and we trust Jesus to be the healer and the restorer in our life, then we begin to find out, Paul says, verse 10, that God's already got works prepared in advance for you to do. Like it's got your name on it. And when we trust him and surrender to him, we find that God wants to use you and me despite our brokenness. And brokenness, we begin to see, doesn't disqualify us from being used by God, but brokenness in so many ways prepares us for being used by God. And we see it happen every single week, every single day in our big spiritual family that God's putting together. Every week, God uses broken people like Larry, who spent a season of his adult life living so self-centered that he distanced himself from his own marriage and family. But God's now redeemed his brokenness. And God uses him every single week to pour into the lives of high school students through our student life ministry. Or we could talk about Sean and Jennifer, who ran down the road of drug addiction until it led them both to being arrested and imprisoned. But now God's redeemed their brokenness. And God uses them every single week to speak into the lives of recovering addicts and to share the love of Jesus with kids in our spiritual family. Or we could talk about Justin, who lived a greedy life marked by addiction and adultery and drugs. But God's now redeemed his brokenness. And God uses him every week as a member of our safety team to help keep our family and our premises safe. Or we could go with Brett, who grew up as a church-going kid because his parents made him go. But when he hit young adulthood in college, man, he put his life on every passion and pleasure of the world that he could get his hands on. But God's now redeemed his brokenness. And God uses him every single week to help point us towards Jesus as a member of our band and to serve other people as a life group leader. Or there's Jill, who was captive to a meth addiction and lived in seclusion from her own family. But now God's redeemed her brokenness. And God uses her as a member of our cleaning team to help us create a welcoming and open environment for everybody who would walk in the door just like you. Or we could talk about Julie, who grew up as a pastor's kid, but got so turned off by religion that she just quit church altogether until she hit rock bottom. And she began to realize that God had created her for community with others. And God's now redeemed her brokenness. And God uses her every single week to love preschoolers in our little life ministry. Or there's Chuck, who walked through the pain of divorce and loneliness and alcohol and running from God. But now God has redeemed his brokenness. And God uses him every single week to serve on our safety team and to invest in the lives of other men. What about Abby, who was abandoned by her own family, chased the life of addiction, even battled the power of cancer. But now God has redeemed her brokenness, healed her body, and now God uses her every single week to pour into elementary students and to serve other ladies as a life group leader. Or we could go with Brian, who lived a life completely for himself, seeking happiness in the temporary pleasures of the world. But God found him, God redeemed his brokenness, and now God uses him as a pastor on our staff team. Or there's me, who grew up the son of a minister, 
was in church every single time the doors were open and chased after all of the good church kid expectations only to find myself trapped by my own pursuit of self-righteousness. But God redeemed my brokenness. And now I have the incredible honor to be used and to teach and to lead our spiritual family. Simple, ordinary people, just like Peter, who God found in our brokenness, redeemed us from our brokenness, and now God uses every day despite our brokenness. What's your story? What's your brokenness? And what's your excuse on why God can't use you? See, because if God can use a Jesus-denying, backstabbing guy like Peter to proclaim his gospel to thousands of people, and if God can use broken, chaotic people all across our family every single week to love and serve you, then there is no level of brokenness. There is no pain too deep. There is no mess too great of your life that God cannot redeem you from and use you through. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.